Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a Manhattan-bound B Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Welcome to Skylines, the City Metric podcast. I'm Stephanie. And I'm John. This is one of those bonus episodes which, if you're, if you're not British, you probably don't want to listen to this. We're going to get quite sort of into the nitty-gritty of, of British politics. Last week, the Labour Party, uh, our, our leading opposition party and increasingly the party of Britain's cities, announced who its candidates were going to be for various new uh, mayoral posts that will be holding their first elections next year. So we thought this might be a good juncture to kind of sit back and talk about what, what these new mayors mean for Britain's cities and whether they're going to make any difference. And also, why are they all men? To discuss this, we are joined by our colleague Julia Rampen, who edits the New Statesman Staggers blog. Hello. Hello, Julia. So, do you want to talk us through what happened last week and who, who who's going for the big jobs now? Right. Yeah, so there's actually quite a few Metro mayors, but there's very little details about when their nomination processes are happening. So we just focused on three that came up recently, which was um, the Greater Manchester region, greater Liverpool region and also the West Midlands region. We didn't really talk very much about that. I'm not sure why. But anyway, no, this it's is the curse of Birmingham. No one ever talks about it. But, and yeah. the, the thing to be clear is actually this is not the election. This is the selection by the Labour Party. But because the Labour Party is so closely linked with these cities, it's almost a walk in the door jo- um, nomination. Unless you have a surprise like Boris Johnson turning up and winning it for the Tories. But I think that's unlikely. So yeah, I thought there's a there's probably a parallel here with things like U.S. primary nominations in a lot of safe seats, where like the the, the internal party battle is actually the one that matters because the the general election pretty much rubber stamps it. That's kind of what we're talking about, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, or maybe the SNP in Scotland right now. That's why it's really interesting who's won, and also in the context of the wider Labour leadership battle, because um, it's they're chosen by members in that region, so. There's a certain line drawn around Liverpool, Manchester, and that those people get to vote. What we did see is that candidates who had either been pro-Jeremy Corbyn, the Labour leader, or they had kept their silence over their disagreements with him, tended to win. So I looked at um, the run-up of candidates, and um, Andy Burnham, who remained in the shadow cabinet when everyone else resigned, won the Manchester nomination. Ivan Lewis, who has always been clearly against Jeremy Corbyn, came last. And um, in Liverpool, Steve Rotherham, who is Corbyn's um, parliamentary private secretary, was the winner. And again, Luciana Berger, who is also an MP but resigned, she came last. 
and and we're already in danger of forgetting Birmingham again. Yeah. Right? Is, uh, is it Sean Simon the chap's name? Yeah, it's um. So he has a picture of him and Jeremy Corbyn with the team. I'm going to get this wrong, but Sion on it. Cool. Okay. Sean. 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 Are we going? With Sean? We're going to have to learn how to pronounce his name, aren't we? This is the thing we're going to need to do. Let's. We'll assume Let's it's Sean. Let's leave that to the people if, of Birmingham to. Yeah, if anyone, we get quite a lot of complaints from the people of Birmingham, so if any of them want to write in and say we're, we're, we're being rude to their new mayor, um, please do. So, Stephanie, you, you have origins in Manchester, right? I do. So, like, Andy, Andy Burnham's going to be your man. How, how are you feeling about that? Um, I don't really want to talk about it, to be honest. Is it still too painful? It's still pretty raw, yeah. yeah. Is that because he's kind of from Liverpool? It or? is, yeah, it is. It is, it is a major problem, Um you know, obviously he's an Everton supporter, so that's better than nothing. But yeah, it's a it's a hard time. Are you on some kind of campaign to get football into every podcast we do from here on in? I don't think there needs to be a campaign. It's an important part of British culture, John. Okay, well there's something there's something to look forward to. I'm going to jump in and ask you, um, what does it tell us about Andy Burnham that he went from Manchester over Liverpool? Well, at the risk of kind of getting people from Liverpool in my mentions, I think the. The Manchester mayoral post was always going to be one of the more prominent appointments in the kind of new mayoral scheme because it's this second city of the UK. It's got one of the bigger economies in the UK. And Andy Burnham, as a very public-facing, prominent politician, was presumably going to want to to punt for that before he went for Liverpool. Um, Whether or not that reveals something about Andy Burnham's character, I'm going to leave up to listeners. I mean, to be fair, I, I have real issues with Andy Burnham, which you can probably find online if you feel the need. But he is a big figure. Like, he's a kind of... He, he's, he has greater stature than, than Steve Rotherham in Liverpool or, or Sean Simon in, in Birmingham have at this point. So is there not an argument that Manchester is lucky to have such a, such a great politician coming to, to save them? No, there's not. But I think he has... <laughs> But I think he, he did in many ways run a very good campaign. I know when he did his launch at the Lowry Centre in Salford, he was very careful to kind of pitch it as a post that was going to represent the North rather than Manchester particularly. So I think people who have become slightly aggrieved at the London focus of politics or what they see as the London focus of how politics is run um, felt that their voice was being represented not just on a local level but a regional level and of course as as you've spoken about and as people have written about on city metric because the situation with employment and economy and travel and tourism in the north is so much about building links between those major cities um his outward looking pitch was quite a compelling one mm. um but i still am not okay with him for obvious reasons manchester's sort of the keystone in that sort of wider northern region uh, in that it's the the biggest city, it's probably the most economically successful. It's also in the middle of the others, all kind of radiate from it. So yeah, and it, and it's the best, which helps as well. It I is. Mean, I actually agree with that, but I'm not meant to have an opinion. I mean, one positive would be that Andy Burnham is someone of national stature. So maybe some of the questions that come up in Manchester that don't get heard that much could be um, pushed up the agenda. So, for example. Um, when I come to Manchester, I'm always surprised at how many homeless people are in the centre of Manchester and why this isn't something that's in the news every day. No, I think that's true. And particularly, I mean, you don't have many newspapers that are running national coverage. You used to have kind of national papers based there. Now you have the Manchester Evening News, which is a brilliant organ, but it's it's not read in the South unless there is something like Andy Burnham, which crosses over. 
um, or unless Jeremy Corbyn goes and speaks up there. But it is, and it's interesting this kind of position of post-industrial cities generally, and what you can do, how you can refashion them um, in terms of culture or in terms of new industries and bringing those in. And I think a lot of people around the world, I remember David Simon once saying, you know, people get the wire if they grew up in Manchester because it's exactly that same post-industrial decline and vacuum of power. So in that sense, it is it is great to have a national figurehead because the cultural regeneration and refashioning can be as important as the on-the-ground economic nitty-gritty. The one I was interested in, actually, was the, the Liverpool city region where where Labour's candidate is a guy called Steve Rotherham and you know, Merseyside is so solidly red that like he is just going to be the Metro mayor. Like There's not really a chance anyone else could, could possibly beat him. But the reason I find this interesting is that there already is an elected mayor of Liverpool, who's Joe Anderson, who, who also stood for the, the bigger post and didn't get the selection. And I'm kind of interested to see how the relationship between those two posts is going to work. Because if you've got a mayor of Liverpool and a mayor of the Liverpool city region, aren't you going to end up with a sort of tug of war? Yeah, I mean, I come from Scotland where you have layer over layer of um, politics. And generally, they seem to work together if they're on the same team. But um, I haven't seen it in such a kind of concentrated city-focused way. And uh, not with two people running against each other as well. I know that Steve Rotherham is particularly known for his campaigning around Hillsborough, so perhaps there's a role for him to be the big picture person and for uh, Joe Anderson to turn up at the events and smile and do all that stuff. Yeah, I think it's also probably worth noting, shamelessly stealing something that our colleague Stephen Bush said in the New Statesman podcast last week, which is... Andy Burnham is a great Manchester MP, but he's not an MP for the city of Manchester. He's an MP for uh, Lee, which is in what, Western Manchester, I think. I've gone all high because I don't know. <laughs> Stephanie's not helping me out, but you know you can write in on that as well. Um, and in the same way, Steve Rotherham is a Merseyside MP, but he's not. He's not the mayor of Liverpool. And there is an argument that both city regions have gone for someone slightly removed from the centre because both posts are going to be sort of made up of, of multiple boroughs rather than just the city proper. Um, so it is possible that, you know, people in the other ten bor- nine boroughs of Greater Manchester didn't want someone from Manchester because then it just becomes, you know, it's so dominated by, by the core city. Um, I don't know, Stephanie, you're, you're from this bit of the country. Does that sound plausible? I'm just babbling here. Right. No, I think it does sound plausible, particularly... Um you know, people people in Salford who like to believe that Salford is a separate place to Manchester. I know have a lot of identity based around that. Um, Salford, Central Salford is part of Manchester's central business district, though. Like, you can't, like... Write, I, write in and tell me why I'm wrong about Salford. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think there is that feeling, as there is around any major city, that the city kind of is lively and interesting and gets visitors from outside and if you live kind of just up the road in somewhere like Middleton where I'm from it does not feel like you are in an international city with you know Joy Division murals and all the other delights that Manchester has to offer Um, but I think the situation in Liverpool will be quite interesting just to come back to what you were saying Julia because these are two people who are in broadly different factions in the Labour Party, am I right in saying? And I don't know if international listeners keep up with the Labour Party, but it's in a slightly fraught 
state at the moment. Yeah, yeah. and it's worth remembering that Liverpool was the set piece for Militant in the 80s, which is, if you're not familiar with Militant, um, we're talking about it a lot on the Staggers blog because many people see it as the forerunner to Jeremy Corbyn's grassroots organisation Momentum and Militant had its biggest successes in taking over Liverpool. So, And Joe Anderson's not from that wing of the party at all, is he? He's quite sort of pro-business, mm-hmm. sort of party boss type, really. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if Rotherham kind of goes in a different direction on that one. I think the other thing is seeing how Rotherham and Burnham work together because they campaign together on Hillsborough. Um, in fact, the only picture I could find of Steve Rotherham was him walking um, next to Burnham. Which uh, So perhaps it will be fruitful or perhaps it will just be... I mean, okay, that's my next question. Are these mayors, metro mayors, going to help anything? Like, is this going to change anything, do we think? Um, I I am in favour of more devolution, and I think that's maybe obvious coming from Scotland, but also I think in London, the figurehead of a mayor does add a level of emphasis and accountability and someone to blame sometimes when things go wrong. But um, I think particularly because more and more people live in large cities, it seems strange that they don't have more focused representation. Mm. No, I tend to agree with that. I kind of think that like the, the London mayoralty is not that powerful by global standards compared to the mayor of New York or Paris or, or other t- cities of similar standing. The mayor of London is actually a pretty weak figure. But what they've all done, all three people have had, all three men who've had the role now, have very consistently done is they've sort of banged the drum for investing in London mm-hmm. and keeping London's economy open and they've kind of used it in that sort of bully pulpit function so I kind of think that having someone who can do the same for Greater Manchester or the West Midlands or Merseyside is probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the other funny thing is that people overseas don't necessarily realise how few powers the London Mayor has and so you know when um, Sadiq Khan got into that war of words with Donald Trump it was treated as if someone with a lot of political power had suddenly taken on um, Trump. Well, that would have been amazing, though. If Steak could actually destroy Trump, that would be brilliant. Um, but no, this is a common problem. Americans never sort of understand how little power British mayors have. We, there's, um, Benjamin Barber, the US urban theorist who we had on the podcast a few weeks ago, um, has been going around giving speeches about how like British cities should stop waiting for permission from government and should just take power and start doing things and it just doesn't work as a model at all because there is literally who would take that power how would they do it there's just not a mechanism there for like a local council leader how would you do it i well i I would probably be more worried about the 40 percent budget cuts and the fact that i was soon not going to have any money for anything but social care and looking after old people and that's it that's your entire council budget gone by about 2025 so it's just nonsensical to me the idea that like council leaders could just start doing stuff. But maybe I'm being cynical, I don't know. I guess also in somewhere like London or perhaps Greater Manchester, the transport links are hugely more important than in most cities. So the power that you have by overseeing transport is skewed compared to, I don't know, take some time where most people drive in and out every day. Milton Keynes. Yeah, maybe Milton Keynes. Yeah, no, that's that is true. Actually, I mean, like obviously, like London, it's pretty like something like half of Londoners don't even own a car, and that's really weird by British standards. So, being and so much of the mayor's power is around transport. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Why are they all blokes? Like all of these, all of these guys are men. There are no, no women got even close to um, any of these nominations. Do we have any strong feelings about that one at all? I think probably misogyny, John. You don't, <laughs> no, no, that, that. you don't. You don't know that. I mean, that is actually the reason. Let's be honest. But you don't. You don't think that maybe they were the, just the most happened to be the most qualified people for. I think that it probably is the fact that some of them have been involved in politics for quite a long time in that locality, and perhaps given that we've only recently seen all women shortlists come into play in a significant way, that perhaps they are part of an older generation. Yeah, it's true. I'm being slightly glib, and when when I say misogyny, I don't mean kind of the the selectorate for each of the mayoral posts when we can't have a woman in this job but more that we have missing generations of women of comparable standing but if you do look at Labour Party leadership roles across these aisles the trend does seem to be that women come down low in elections As far as I can tell there's only ever been two uh, major selections in the Labour Party that women won and it was the deputy leadership in uh, 2007 when it was Harriet Harman and 92 when it was Margaret Beckett. That's literally the only time women have run any... I'm going to put this out there as well and suggest that when you don't have a national spotlight on your local politics, then there's much less emphasis on trying to appease the view of people who think it should be more representative and more kind of chummy backroom handshakes going on. Yeah, I mean, we've had women elected to the NEC recently, which is the other kind of case where... You know, women have, have achieved power in the Labour Party, but yeah, we, we've never had an elected woman leader. Um, so I don't think people were hugely surprised by the results on that basis. But it definitely, it is something where you go, you put more focus on it, you think about implementing all women shortlists properly, and it could take a relatively short period of time to change if people are committed to doing that. Specifically in the city's context, why do you think this matters? 
Well, because as we're going to talk about in a forthcoming podcast, cities and how cities are managed and laid out is a gendered issue. And if all of the people managing something are men, that slips by the wayside. That's not true, actually. It's still a gendered issue, but it's just a gendered issue that doesn't realise it's one. Um, The way cities deal with lighting, transport, even public toilet allocation are all gendered questions and representation of women in leadership in cities is therefore important definitely the public toilets i mean one thing that always makes me really angry is the you know the open urinals that you get in london um that appear on friday nights um they just pop up out the ground yeah yeah they do and then they get taken away again and i can see the point which is it's better than having people peeing everywhere but i also think well I have a bladder too, and I quite like a pop-up toilet as well on a Friday night, but there's no chance of getting one. And I must say, particularly the ones in Manchester Piccadilly Gardens smell horrible, so Andy Burnham, if you're listening, priority number one, I will never whine about your scouse leanings again. There is actually, in Amsterdam I think there is a pop-up toilet for women, so yeah, it is is possible, it just takes a slightly bigger footprint, so maybe, maybe Andy, come on, get on with it. So I think you know in 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 Merseyside it's pretty clear that Steve Rotherham is gonna is it, it's almost inconceivable that he won't win the election next year, right? What about the other cities? Is Burnham definitely going to win in Manchester? Is there any chance that that else... <laughs> that those other people? <laughs> well, I, I don't I, I don't think you could I don't think you get a Tory, but there is a history of um, independents getting elected mayors. There was Ken Livingstone in London in two thousand. George Ferguson in Bristol in uh, 2012. Um, surprisingly high proportion of, of mayoralties have gone to independent kind of it. So it is, is is that not possible that... I mean, Andy Burnham does tend to lose things quite is, a lot. Is so. there another constituency as well as the one that we're thinking about that would vote for Andy Burnham? This is more of a question than a statement. Because I guess what the surprise in London was the donut and the fact that um, people in the suburbs felt quite differently from the journalists and politicians in the centre. Um, I just don't know who that candidate would be. I don't think we have another figure at the moment, but I, I must say I don't know who's on the slate as an independent right now. Um, you know, if everyone in Manchester wants to write in Sir Alex Ferguson, obviously I would enjoy that. But I mean, that that does sound entirely plausible, doesn't it? Well, no, <laughs> surely half the city would never go for it. That's, like, that's, that's my football knowledge there. So, right. Do you think you could transform the city so that everyone was earning six-figure salaries and internationally competitive yeah he's got his 12 rules him and Alistair Campbell well sort it out for us and that that would be quite an attractive manifesto right what about what about the West Midlands the West Midlands can surely be seen as because so many marginal constituencies in the West Midlands so is it not possible we get a conservative winning there I guess the thing that makes me think it's going to be Sean I'm going to call him um, is just that no one even bothered to run against him. I'm going to say that and then I'll find out there are loads of people. But when I was looking at it, there wasn't really any big figures in the way that um, perhaps in Manchester or Liverpool there were. Yeah, it is It is weirdly quiet, isn't it? It's like considering that the West Midlands is actually slightly bigger population-wise than Greater Manchester and significantly bigger economically. It is weird the way we do tend to ignore it nationally so if anyone wants to talk about Birmingham then get in touch. I think what we're learning in this in this podcast is that if everyone could just write in and tell us all the ways we're wrong we would really appreciate that. Yeah that'd be good so you know write in and the next time we won't need to think we'll just read out your letters so there we are. Thank you.
You've been listening to Skylines, the Citymetric podcast. It was presented by John Elledge and Stephanie Boland and produced by Royfield Brown. You can contact all three of us on Twitter where there's a pretty good chance we'll talk back. Our theme music was Waves by CORTR. You also heard We Are One by Vixento. All music in the show was licensed under Creative Commons. You can find Skylines every two weeks on Acast, on iTunes or in the podcatcher of your choice. You can also find two more shows by our excellent colleagues, Seriously and the New Statesman podcast. In the meantime, you can find all the stories about cities, maps and geography you could ever possibly want on our website, citymetric.com. And since you've listened this far, leave us a nice review on iTunes, eh? Go on, we love you for it. Thanks for listening. This is a Manhattan-bound B-Express train. The next stop is Grand Street. Mind the gap. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.